I didn't think that there was anything on the face of the earth that would ever push me to do what I'm going to do right now. Brother, I'm going to style and profile for you for about 30 seconds. And then you really think about it. Do you really want to jump on Space Mountain? Woo! Against all of Welcome to Cronoso WCW. This is our Starcade 1985 edition. My name is Jennifer Smith. I am joined tonight to discuss this legendary show um, by two legendary podcasters, uh, Sheriff Pete and Drew Wardlaw. How y'all doing? Doing good, Jenny. Doing great. You know, that Sheriff Pete, I just, you know, every time I hear that nickname, I just, you know, fucking hate it. So I know, I know. That's why I have to say it. (laughs) Fucking hate it. (laughs) I'll just call you Pete then. Does that work? Uh, That's much better. All right. Uh, So, we have covered, um, well, I've been on all of these episodes (laughs) thus far just because I kind of got into them, right? And, um... I'm into WCW, and and apparently I'm into old Starcades. So um, I've seen 83, 84, and now 85. And um, we discussed the previous ones, and they had their ups and downs. And this show, I feel maybe a tick up from last year, but we'll see what you guys think. Um, Drew, what has happened in the year since Starcade 84? So the year that his we're we're talking about from Starcade '84 to Starcade '85, mm-hmm. uh, it the JCP landscape is pretty different. And yeah, you guys can chime in as you want to here. But uh, I mean, you've got in it's April is when the first 605 uh, World Championship Wrestling episode starts and so that is and i always get kind of the specifics of like the black 
Black Saturday, like the Vince McMahon buying the Georgia territory and buying the six of five time slot, putting WWF programming on it. I get all those particulars confused a lot, but mm-hmm. um, basically, so you know, there was Georgia Championship Wrestling that had the six oh five uh, Superstation time slot. They uh, Vince McMahon bought that, put WWF programming on it, and then sold it uh, to Jim Crockett for a million dollars. And famously, he used that money to finance the first WrestleMania. Mm. And so the the first episode of, of World Championship Wrestling uh, under the Jim Crockett Promotions banner um, was uh, early April. It's like the first weekend of April. So that that to me feels like kind of the official start of – uh, the NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions, um, eventually WCW as we know it. That feels like the kind of when the modern era starts for that promotion. Um, 1984, as uh, has been talked about, is a, a really strange transitional year for the, the promotion. Um, but 85, you get Rock and Roll Express coming in. You get uh, Magnum TA really coming into prominence. Um, same with Tully Blanchard, all the uh, uh, Arn Anderson, of course, all the all the pieces. The Horsemen forming. The, yeah, yeah, you get the formation of the Horsemen. I mean, really everything that becomes uh, the nucleus of Jim Crockett Promotions starts in '85. Um, I mean, it, it's as we'll go through the show. It, it might be. I don't know. It, it might be my favorite year of the promotion overall. I mean, it's really, really awesome to watch the TV. It, it, there's just a lot of excitement uh, to see everything coming together. It's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, one big thing is you've got at the beginning of 85, uh, Ric Flair is still, uh, you know, v- very much a baby face. And as he as the year goes on, he transitions to a heel, but mostly like a heel on national television where he's like feuding with Magnum TA, for instance. Um, but in the syndicated television shows and in the Carolinas, he's still a full on baby face. And hmm. so you see like uh, a great American bash 85. He f- is feuding with Nikita Koloff. And I mean, that match, he's like a full on, white meat baby face. I mean, would you... He was Rocky, and then, yeah, it was Rocky Drago, basically, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, Pete, you you would agree, like, what, the the Dusty Rhodes angle, that's kind of what officially turns him heel uh, everywhere, right? Yeah, I believe it was September, but I'm not... Don't hold me to that date, but I know it was in the Omni. uh, It was Nikita and Flair were having a cage match. Uh, Dusty, uh, Flair goes over, the, the Russians are laying boots to Flair, Dusty comes out for the save, and Flair's pretty much saying Dusty, he told Dusty not to be in his business, then the Horsemen come out, I mean, the Andersons come out, and they lock the cage and just beat the shit out of Dusty, and they break his leg, and that's why mm-hmm. in this match, you see, uh, Dusty wearing a, a different type of boot, because he had this special boot made, uh, so he could wrestle and stuff. And it was a super heated angle that did some really good, really good houses for the, for the company. And, 
and really establish the horsemen as a super strong uh, group uh, and stuff. Yeah. And on, on the TV, le- po- after the angle and leading up to Starcade, uh, you see, like, there's they have meetings with Dusty's doctor. Um, they have meetings with, like, uh, there's a segment with a sit down interview with Bill Apter and Ric Flair with Dusty on a TV. And <laughs> Ric Flair stands <laughs> up and starts threatening the TV and yelling at the TV with Dusty on it. Um, <laughs> They have they have a segment where they examine Dusty Rhodes' special boot that he's going to be yeah, wearing. That's right. I think I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, really good. Um, and you also, I mean, out of that comes the Hard Times promo. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, like, 85, uh, I mean, I, I'd like your guys' uh, opinion on this, too. So, Obviously, these are my, you know, opinions on matches and stuff. But you, you've got, I mean, the angle that sets up the four horsemen. So you, you've, you've got the formation of potentially the best faction of all time in wrestling. You've mm-hmm. got what is, in my opinion, uh, the best tag match ever to happen in the United States in the summer: the Rock and Rolls versus the Russians. You've got Magnum uh, versus Tully, which, as we'll get to it, that's what I think is the greatest wrestling match of all time. Mm-hmm. You've got the Hard Times promo, which arguably the greatest promo of all time. Like, there's a there's a lot of big time stuff that happens in 1985, and you could also argue, and I like I said this on on the 1984 one, where I thought Flair and Dusty. I mean, Flair's had a lot of great opponents, but I felt Dusty was Flair's best TV opponent where it came to cutting promos and doing angles uh, as in he wasn't he wasn't like steamboat in the ring with flair or, or but I'd, I'd, I'd make the statement that dusty was flair's best opponent when it comes to being entertaining with doing promos and angles and the only other one i could think of would be terry funk in 89 um but it was a totally different dynamic but um i felt that they, they just every time you were on tv it was just entertaining and i mean and it was I, funny is that they're both, you know, Flair was the Lakers and but Dusty was the Celtics, and it felt kind of like that on TV too, and with the rivalry on how how hated and heated it was and, and dynamic. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. I mean, that it's like it's a signature year of their their feud, which kind of goes from like eighty four to eighty six. Um, and it, the 85 is like the most central part of that. And it's the most heated part. So, yeah, that's a good point, Pete. We also see well, this is the year where Dusty starts getting the book. We see a transition from uh, the Tory Funk and, and the uh, Gary Hart. And uh, I can't remember who else was the booking committee on uh, transitioning out of 84. And you can clearly see, you know, Dusty's fingerprints. And even in this show, you can you can make the argument, and I really enjoy this show. But it's also a show where it feels like it actually plays better in in pieces than it does in a whole, because it's a lot of indulgence on this show. It's a lot of excess. Every match on the show is either a stip or a title match. So, um, and we see that. I don't know how many of you have the bashes you all saw uh, that they put up online on the hidden gems, but they had a lot of that stuff going on too. Um, and you always hear about Dusty 
like Bill Watts would say, Dusty had great ideas, but he needed an editor. And James <laughs> J. Dillon mm-hmm. always saying, Dusty had great ideas, but he needed a detail man. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see it here on this show. It's it's like Dusty in all his glory, and his, and he and not just as a wrestler, but as a booker. Uh, you could all this is just uh, just screams Dusty Rhodes booking uh, on this show. Mm. I feel like uh, there was like a a list of matches and a list of like steps, and then he just drew lines of like this guy's gonna do this, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, kind of a casual way to look at it. But I, not I'm gonna say I don't mind most of those steps, and you know you always want to see a title match. So. No, I totally agree. But yeah. I mean, but did you need it all at once? Right. Same, you know, you get to save some something for something else. I know it's a super card, but by God, I mean, you had blood in almost every match. <laughs> oh, well, I'm never blood. gonna I mean, like some matches, yeah, I mean, you've not just had one stip. I mean, you had. Well, let's look at it. you had TA and, and Tully. Uh, you had a cage a U.S. title match. Uh, you and the Rock and Roll Express a cage tag title match. Um, we, I mean, juice on every match. I mean, I, I it was mind blowing to me on uh, on everything. Uh, you know, especially when you have like an I quit match. You think you would try to protect the blood for that match, but you know, you had it in every freaking match. It's just you know, yeah, you uh, had it the opening the opening match at the Omni. <laughs> yeah, you had it everywhere. I mean, it was absolutely. No, it's the only one I don't think there was, there was blood in was 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 it Houston and Khrushchev? Was I think that so. it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's well. Let's see. Uh, what about the Andersons tag match? Okay, that didn't happen that? either. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Or did it? Oh, I want to say it. Did. I don't think that one did. Hmm, okay. Unless Wahoo might have played, it might have. Yeah, Wahoo might have. Did it, we even got blood in the uh, the arm wrestling match? Didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, all right. So, what else, Pete, was going on on this night in 1985? Well, there were some okay. other cards. There, there was the WCW, WCCW World Class Championship Wrestling Thanksgiving Day uh, Star Wars card, and uh, I mean, it, it drew 12,000, which is a decent house, pretty good house at the Reunion Arena. Uh, they had the Grappler and the Missing Link. Uh, Beating Dave Peterson and Johnny Mantel, the uh, Lance Von Erich beating Tim Brooks. One Man Gang beats Gary Hart. Kamala beats the One Man Gang by double. Or, no, it's not beats him, but it was a double countout. Brian Adidas beats Jack Victory. Parsons versus Rude. John Tatum defeats Scott Casey in a steel cage Texas Death Match. And then you have a, another steel cage. Uh, Dynamic duo versus the Cosmic Cowboys, which are carrying Kevin, um, and with Brian Adidas and Terry Gordy as uh, special referees and stuff. Um, what, what about you, Drew? What do you think about that card? I don't know. There's actually some kind of cool stuff on there. Um, I mean, this is the John Tatum uh, cage match. That sounds cool. I'd like to see that. Um, it's out there. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Have you I'm seen pretty it? Pretty sure it is. Oh man, um, I don't know. Like the missing link is on there. You got some of like the uh, some of the world class staples. Yeah, you get behind Kamal and One Man Gang. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that seems like. Uh, I bet that's a fun watch. Not I enough agree. stipulations, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's not. Yeah, there's some stiffs, but not like 
Dark 885 skip. <laughs> I mean, we have one, two, three, I mean, four. Now, yeah, we have one, really one skip, two skips, I mean, two gimmicks, mm-hmm. and, you know, which I think is a lot more productive and stuff. Um, let's see what else we have out here. Um, there was an AWA card, which, uh, ironically, the WWF ran the same, pretty much the same town. Both ran Minnesota the same night. Um, and, uh, we'll get to those, but, uh, the WWF one next. Uh, this one drew 14,300, according to Cage Match. This one has Bill Irwin versus Leon White, who would, Leon White would become Vader. They have a draw. Mongolian Stomper, Stomper defeats Kevin Kelly, which is not the announcer. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and Kevin Kelly would be go on to be nailed in the WWF. Um, Scott Hall defeats Boris Zukov. Boris, fuck Zumhoff defeats Steve Regal, which, uh, not the, not the good Steve Regal. This is Mr. Electricity. <laughs> Mr. Electricity. Turn on. And, uh, <laughs> is that, that, those guys worked each other. So freaking much. It's, it's obscene how much matches of, all, of those two are out there against each other. The Road Warriors defeating the fabulous Freebirds of Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes. Um, and I guess that's because Terry Gordy is up in Texas right now, uh, repping. Um, Jer- that night, Jerry Blackwell defeats Michael Hayes in a singles match. And we have a battle royal, which, uh, winner is Scott Hall, you know? Eh, I don't know about, it. this doesn't really do a whole lot for me. What about you, Jenny? No, dude. That sounds like great value everything. Yeah. No, that sounds kind of boring. I mean, a battle royal is always kind of fun, but I don't know. Yeah. Drew, what about you? Jerry Jerry Blackwell versus uh, Michael Hayes. That could be cool. Yeah, it could. Also could stink. Yeah, Yeah, not not great. That that doesn't sound very fun like the the world-class show does. No, no, it doesn't. Um they have some. There's also one in Mid South, but they don't have the. Uh, only have like a match or two listed, and uh, <clears throat> there's a Continental card. They only have a couple of matches listed. There's a, a, a Stampede, but they don't really celebrate. They always. I mean, most Canadians refer to it as of uh, American Thanksgiving, so I don't mm-hmm. consider it a real Thanksgiving Day show if it's in Canada. Um, but then we have the uh, WWF show, and this this is ran at uh, in Minneapolis. Mini, this one's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The one the AWA was it was in St. Paul, Minnesota. So you know, same state. Now this is actually a pretty interesting looking card. Um, it drew fifteen thousand. So I mean, think about that. That they drew twenty eight thousand within miles of each other. When you think about it. You had Dan Spivey pinning Barrio, King Tonga pinning Alex Smirnoff, Pedro Morales uh, pinning Steve Lombardi, Jesse Ventura defeating Uncle Elmer. So far, <laughs> shits. But now it yes. gets in. Whoa. Gets okay. Now it gets better. You have Hulk Hogan pinning Randy Savage, and we have Mr. T with Hogan. Um, Bob Orton Jr. pinning Ivan Putsky. You have uh, Jim Brunzel pinning Terry Gibbs, and then you have Orndorff uh, defeating Roddy Piper, and those uh, Orndorff-Piper matches are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what about you, Drew? What, how, what's your what's your temperature on this one? Uh, I think this is actually probably the second-best card 
or well, I guess third best if we're if we're doing the Starcade cards individually. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, like uh, Hogan versus Savage and Orndorff versus Piper. Th- those are pretty awesome. That's yeah. that sounds like a good show. Yeah, and you know what? Bob Orton, I think, could probably pull a good match out of Ivan Putsky. Uh, yeah. That's just my take on it because I'm a big Orton uh, fan. Orton uh, rocks. He's just a really good worker. What about you, Jenny? What are you, what, what are you feeling here? I need that Jesse Ventura match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> versus, versus Uncle Elmer. <laughs> yeah, why not? Of all your Wahoo McDaniel hate, you want to see Jesse Ventura of the Elmer match? <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, fucking Hogan Savage all day. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, look, look at the attendances. So, it's, it's what, 15,000 for WWF, 14,000 for, uh, for uh, AWA. World Class was, what, 12,000? Yeah. These Starcade shows are 30,000 combined. Mm, that, yeah. That's that's a lot of people watching wrestling yeah, it is. on Thanksgiving yeah. night. Yep. Yeah, you love that's, to see it. That's great. You know, Very it's, cool. It's, it really is. It shows, and it shows diversity on how. I mean, I always. That's why I find the most interesting when you look at these cards on certain days and seeing the different booking philosophies and how you're doing, and but you're still drawing uh, on a lot of these big shows. I mean, that's 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 a testament to to what people are really into. What's who who they view as stars. Uh, you know, that's the territories are really interesting like that. Yeah. Uh especially the AWA show because I mean that's that's past peak AWA, that's mm-hmm. after Hogan. Um it, it's a battle royal is the main event. Like that there's not a lot going on on that card, but man, they still drew 14,000 people. Yeah, the AWA still did good enough. I think it just downplayed how terribly they they did after Hogan left. Mm-hmm. But they did okay until the Road Warriors left. Once the Roadies left, that's when they really uh that's that's with that's kind of where they fell off the cliff when I'm when I look at attendance figures and stuff. Um hmm. uh they still did well enough when they had the Road Warriors there and they had Brody uh coming in and Hanson, but after that that's when they kind of uh fell off the cliff was right when the Road Warriors uh left and then they were started, you know, pushing the the feel of those old, old acts and stuff. They didn't have any like thing, nothing fresh per se. Hmm. Um cool. something interesting uh about this show as well is it being held in two locations, um yes. in Greensboro and at the Omni. Um do you guys did you guys like that format from the we two locations? Hate it. Hate yeah. It. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> why do you why do you hate it? I just, I think it, one I would hate to be at a card where I got to watch something on 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 a big screen also or on yeah. a board. Mm-hmm. Um, I it would drive me batty because uh, it feels like you're getting gypped out of of a live experience. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm part of it. Yeah, it's, but you know, and yeah, so that's why I don't like it. I, and I always it's always weird too on on. I mean, it felt weird when WrestleMania did it at, at WrestleMania two mm-hmm. with the three locations, and uh, it feels weird here. Um, I, yeah, it just doesn't feel right. I don't know. All right. Well, this uh, it, this this feels like a real dusty move, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're like, oh, we're gonna have it. We're gonna have it in two locations, and we're gonna sell out both of them. And all. yeah, I, I I think it's I think the concept of it is cool. Um, 
it doesn't work the best in execution, I guess. Although I, I didn't really, I don't think this is very clunky or anything. But yeah, yeah I mean, if you're there live, that that's a bummer because I, I don't even know what they would have been. They, they surely had on. I mean, they didn't have like the Titantron or anything, but you know, they had screens way up in like the Charlotte uh, or the yeah. Greensboro Coliseum and the Omni, right? So yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would have been a bummer, but. I, I I do think I, I can see I can see why that would have been an appealing move to mm-hmm. them at the time. Right, it yeah, makes you I'll, seem big time. I feel there like. you go. Yeah, yeah. that's what they're going for. But I also felt they were trying to uh, put their toe in the water, where they're eventually going to leave. I mean, because originally it was all Charlotte, and now mm-hmm. it's coming. Okay, now we got to appease our other master, Atlanta. Right. Um, and now you know, eventually in '87, they end up you know. Killing the golden goose by going taking it to Chicago, but yeah, but it felt like it was kind of like leaving. It was like they were like transitioning also out of being just a a, a local promotion and becoming more worldly type of thing. And I think that's what they were going for also. So which one, which card do you guys prefer of the two? Mm. I'm gonna go Starcade. Oh no, sorry. Oh, well, the two of uh, the two yeah, places. the, the yeah. two locations. Hmm. I'm going uh, definitely for me with uh, Greensboro. I would say so as well. Yeah, yeah. You you do get the fun uh, undercard stuff on uh, in the Omni though. You you get the uh, Abdullah and Manny and, <laughs> and the Midnight's match. Oh True. right. And you get the you know get the world title match, which is important. But yeah. my God, I mean. You have yeah. freaking Magna PA and Tully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you come have, on. I mean, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, Khrushchev and Sam Houston. I mean, think about it. This is, I think, Sam Houston's second year in the business at this point. And, uh, I mean, and Khrushchev might be the luckiest wrestler on the planet by being able to tag up with two of the greatest tag workers. Mm. Two, two great Truly. Workers, Ivan Koloff and, and uh, Bill Edie as Demolition's Axe. Um, being and getting lightning in a bottle by being able to catch onto them. I'm not saying he's a terrible wrestler or anything, but he was definitely not the strong strong. He wasn't the leader of their teams. Uh, I thought Ron Bass and Black Bart were a lot of fun with those guys just beating the crap out of each other. It's two beefy guys punching each other, mm-hmm. uh, and JJ is always great. And then we get in, you know, some more, you know, whatever. Uh, I thought Buddy Landell was incredible in his match. Terry Taylor was just going through the motions though. And then, of course, you get Magnum and Tully, which is just an all-time epic match. And you say it's your favorite match ever. I can, I have no, I'm not going to make an argument against that at all because it's definitely in my top ten. And if I it probably, I know, and by top ten, I mean top three probably. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's just an amazing, amazing match, and, and it's a precedent of setting up. I mean, it's the it's the blueprint of how to do an I quit match uh, in, a, in a in a cage. Just insane, insane stuff. I mean, well, God. I mean, I feel like uh, getting into our categories, uh, that would be across the board match of the night for everyone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into the match then, um, Drew. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I, I've talked about this on a couple different podcasts. Um, I mean, it, it's it's my favorite match of all time. Uh, I I think. I think it's the single greatest wrestling match of all time. Um, I mean, it, from the angle uh, and the feud 
and this being the blow off to the the individual performances of the wrestlers to the crowd to everything i i think i think it's 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 the the perfect vision of what pro wrestling is in my opinion mm-hmm. um i mean the so a little bit of the background of the feud uh magnum wins the us title from wahoo tully then uh beats magnum for it and there's a security guard that comes in uh during the match and the security guard ends up being baby doll and that's what costs Magnum the match. Mm-hmm. Um, then throughout the summer, like Magnum dresses up as a, a security guard. And, uh, but he, then he like, looks can't... like more stripper than security guard. <laughs> <laughs> he sure does because his yeah. mullet is coming out of the, the back of the police hat. And his I have no mustache. problem calling it. Yeah, he was a handy, he struck a handsome figure in that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Like the, yeah, yeah, like the, it. Yeah, and the <laughs> yeah. Uh and then like, you know, you've got um the uh the promo where Magnum ends up um where Baby Doll approaches Magnum, she gives them her business card. Magnum then uh, now uh this is not a baby face move uh especially especially looking at it in uh hindsight like we are but magnum but then, in 1985 it was a baby oh, face move yeah I mean, ab- yes but i agree with you completely it's just it's tasteless now and if you look at it but yeah yeah so so you have uh you have magnum grabbing baby doll giving her a kiss uh and then he ends up ripping her dress too as she's trying to run away from him um all the while david crockett in the back with a microphone screaming she likes it look at her she likes it so, oh, wow. totally terrible and <laughs> yeah, t- tasteless is because i was watching it then and it played fine live i mean up during the era because yeah you know, it was more acceptable, and it, I mean, I'm not justifying it because it was more acceptable. But right. yeah, now you look at it in 2021 eyes, yeah, poor, poor taste. Yeah, just just a different time. But yeah. um, it, so I mean, you, and like, man, during on the TV, like in the studio, during uh, like a Tully squash match, Magnum would be out doing commentary, and Magnum or and Tully the whole time in the ring, he wouldn't take his eyes off of Magnum. He'd just be staring at him and then occasionally, uh, you know, kick, kick his opponent or, you know, whoever the jobber was, punch him, knock him down, then just keep staring at Magnum. It's like these super, super intense, heated studio segments between the two. And they have they have a uh, it's like a 45 minute draw or something. Do you do you know about that, Pete? No, not really. No. So it's yeah, they, they have they show a clip of it. Uh, on one of the TV shows on one of the WCW episodes and uh it l- ends in a double knockout and i yeah like i said i think it goes like 45 minutes and then from there magnum he wants a uh he wants an i quit match and bob geigel he won't uh he he won't sanction the match he says no no it's going to be too violent but then <laughs> i think jim crockett he just, uh, jim crockett junior decides that uh, they will sanction it it will be in a cage and it'll be an i quit match and it's like all this great heated stuff that just escalates and escalates and leads to the match itself. And then the, the match is is so perfect, and every single aspect of it comes together so well. It's like 
this is I, I've used this word before, but it, this match is transcendent. I, I think this mm. is something that goes beyond wrestling that you can watch any. I mean, and I've watched this like with my wife and with like I did podcasts with a friend of mine, Jordan, who doesn't watch wrestling. All these people that I know that have seen this match that don't watch wrestling, they're transfixed by the match because it's so undeniable and what's happening in the ring. And it's it's so grimy and brutal and gross barbaric barbaric is a great word for it Uh, like multiple times they're just rolling around on the mat just growling at each other Mm -hmm. and grabbing each other and bleeding on each other and like tommy young will get the or you know someone will get the microphone and the noises that are coming out of their mouths yeah Yeah. unbelievable the, and like, go ahead. No, just the just the audio uh, yeah, in this match. Like being like waterboarded, or right? Tortured, yeah, you know? it's it's unlike anything I've ever heard in a match. Like, and just the way that they scream no, no every time. Yeah. And, until someone finally says yes, <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And even even down to that detail of Tully not saying specifically I quit. I quit. Yeah. He exactly. says yes. Yeah. And I mean obviously the finish with the spike and like the tease when Tully has the spike mm-hmm. and you you look at how close it's getting to Magnum and it's like oh man but then Magnum ah oh, man and even even the way Magnum so they you know they're struggling on the ground Magnum's on his back and the the spike goes flying, and Magnum reacts instantly, as quick as he can to get the spike. That's so realistic, because that's what mm-hmm. you would do if you were in a life-or-death situation, is you would go as fast as you can. You wouldn't play up the theatrics of it at all. You would just grab it and get to work. And then, I mean, the, the end where Tully is cowering on the ground – Magnum looks at the spike and throws it down and then slings the belt over his shoulder and walks out. He looks disgusted with himself. Mm-hmm. You feel bad for Tully because he's so pathetic and broken in the ring. Yeah. But then you're also so – and it's like Magnum, he's like he's a changed man. Like he's he's no better than Tully either, mm-hmm. but he's triumphant and he is the good guy at the end and he walks out of that cage. It's like – but it's, it, it it's cost masterful, him, right? It cost him a lot to do that, um, to 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 go to that level. Ugh. I think, um, and and just like even how Tully like breaks the chair. That's it, awesome. Oh, yeah. it's, it's beautiful. Like I was like, oh shit, um, I was not ready for that. But it was like it was like Tully Van Helsing. Like he went full like Vampire Slayer <laughs> with. With this, like, I believed he was trying to like kill like a like a vampire with a wooden stake. Uh, <laughs> that was and to this day, that bastard Tully still says he doesn't. He didn't say I quit. Did, I mean, right? that's yeah. great. <laughs> kayfabe, baby. Yeah, kayfabe for life. Ah <laughs> oh, man, this match. It's like. It's so good. I I still get chills. Ever I've seen this match probably more than any other match. I mean, I I don't even know how many times. I still get chills watching it. Mm-hmm. Like it's I, you know I watched the show last night, and it's it's like 
it's almost like I'm watching it for the first time every single time. I, I can't get enough of it. It's it's so great. Um, an underrated an underrated part of this kind of speaks to the whole show and uh, one of the categories of what works. Um, sorry to jump around here no, no, a little bit, but I I think the uh, the match order works really well and. The the next match being the the Midnight Express versus Miss Atlanta Lively and Jimmy Valiant mm-hmm. is is so great because it's it's such a relief from what we've just seen. Mm-hmm. Yet yet we still get blood in it. <laughs> yes, yeah, but you get gnarly gnarly yeah. blood. Um, and like like you get blood from Bobby Eaton even a rare Bobby Eaton blade job. Yeah. And it's like – so, again, I've watched this match with a lot of different people who have, like, never seen it because it's always uh, – if if someone says, okay, like, show me a pro wrestling match, Magnum Tully is what pro wrestling is. It's, like, it's nasty. It's grimy. It's, mm-hmm. like, messed up and weird. It's absurd. You know, it's it's got everything. Um, but the transition to where you see this, this bloody cage match with these guys groaning and trying to kill each other – to <laughs> Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express waltzing down the to the ring in tuxedos. tuxedos. <laughs> and then the camera cuts to Big Mama and Jimmy Valiant and Miss Atlanta Lively walking out. And the reaction of everybody is always, what is this? Like, what are you showing me? <laughs> it's so good. I don't know if you should be showing these people Jimmy Valiant matches. I'm just saying. Oh, come on. Oh, whatever. This is, <laughs> I, I, I unconditionally love that match. And, oh, uh, it's, it's oh, it great. Fun. It's everything you want uh, for for a farce in wrestling. It, and it, it's, and it's, it's still full of action. It's, you can laugh at it. You can uh, giggle, but you can, you're still entertained, and you, you can, eyes can't leave it. I mean – Hell, they're trying to pants freaking Ron Garvin, <laughs> and, and he's having none of that. Um, I mean, we get Cornette with the heart heart underwear. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, it, I mean, God, it was, it was just a blast. Uh, I mean, it was just a great fun. I mean, and the Midnight's are bumping like human Super Bowls for for everything in this thing. I mean, for a match that really didn't mean anything. Uh, but it was just a blast. Yeah, I enjoyed every freaking second of that match. Yeah, and again, like everybody in the match bleeds. Yeah, they're, yes. they're like dripping blood. And, and that Valiant, sick uppercut on Bobby to get the win. Oh yeah, and J- okay. Jimmy Valiant at one point throws Bobby like halfway yeah. across the floor. Yeah, that's <laughs> like that's crazy. Um, all right, from some of our favorite stuff to not so favorite, uh, what was your worst match, Pete? It was the arm wrestling. <laughs> that thing was terrible. I mean, <laughs> it was a gimmick that worked in the 70s where you'd have like Patera or a Tony Atlas type guy or even super, I mean, here, superstar Billy Graham did, did a lot of houses in WWWF, uh, if I put one more too much W, that's a whatever. lot of W's. Yeah, it was. Uh, they they did that. I mean, hell, there was a big famous Houston angle when it was Jose Lothario and superstar Billy Graham. They did it and drew big houses in Houston in the seventies. 
it's a it's a gimmick that worked on top in the seventies. It's a gimmick that does not work at all in the eighties. And we even see it. They even tried it in the nineties in WCW. It just does not work. I think <laughs> with the tournament, did with, didn't they do it with Triple H and Scott Steiner at one point also in <laughs> WWE? I mean, it just it it needed to stay in the seventies, and then it turns into a match, which I didn't know that's what we were getting uh, because I don't think they that was that was that maybe was an added bonus. Uh, I think it was a bonus match. Yeah, you know. I'm a big Barbarian fan. He's a guy I always thought had a great look, could work. I always thought he could be a, a monster heel to Hogan, but it just never worked. Uh, the timing never worked. Uh, I thought he could do it for with Warrior. It never worked. Uh, but I always liked him. But, man, I felt bad for him having to work uh, broken down superstar Billy Graham in 85. <laughs> uh, the, like a hip replacement away from being retired and stuff. So, also, it looked like he did not know how to arm wrestle, so that was pretty. That funny. too, yeah. Well, he had the cast on one arm, so, <laughs> so that was all weird. Also, and they kept they kept pointing out on commentary that he was he was trying to use both hands. Both sides, yeah. 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 He had Paul Jones just you're just waiting for Paul Jones to do something, and and he's standing. He's standing in the ring next to Barbarian with his cane over his head, and as yeah. soon as Billy Graham wins, down comes the cane. Boom. <laughs> uh, you say what you want about Paul Jones, and a lot of people don't like him as a manager. thought he was a terrible promo. He was effective and got a lot of heat, so uh, that's mm-hmm. all I'll say. He did. I, I do think he's a terrible promo, but <laughs> he, 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 he did his job, and he did, he did it pretty good. I mean, yeah. he was able to to stretch uh, that feud with Jimmy Valiant out for two and a half, almost three years. So yeah, and it good, worked. And it was a great, good on a great feud. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, Je- Jenny, what did you think of the arm wrestling match? I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like an arm wrestling match, like just in general. Um, yeah. I just think that's stupid fun. Um. These guys did not have what I look for in an arm wrestling match, but, um, you know, it's definitely my least favorite match, but I'm not going to lie. They did bleed, so I did like that, and um, at one point, Barbarian knocks um, (laughs) Graham's head, like, on the outside on the post, and Graham just, like, totally, like, pinwheels and like goes over the railing like just flails everywhere from like a simple like headshot to the post so he was he was quite um extra um, yeah and that but you know I, I i i thought it was pretty inoffensive like i, I the yeah. crowd was going nuts for it uh which was cool the the i wish they wouldn't have done the match after that was mm. that drug the whole segment down totally um, agree totally agree if it was like if it was just the the wrestling the arm wrestling match and then the beatdown after that would have been cool and it just would have added uh, like a nice little kind of a little bit of a reprieve mm-hmm. from the rest of the show. I, I think the like, this is I love I love this show because this is another example of like uh, the the wrestling uh, wrestling show as a variety show. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of everything on it, but it's all taken seriously. That's yeah. that's what I really like about wrestling and about big wrestling shows. All right. So, um Well, uh, sorry, but before that, what what are I mean, everything else is pretty good on the show, right? I mean, what what would 
what would even be like another contender? I don't um, think there's a true contender. I thought the worst thing would have been uh, Buddy Landell versus Terry Taylor, maybe. Uh, I mean, everything was solid, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was nothing that yeah. I felt was just so freaking terrible. Or even well, like I said, I thought I thought Landell was super fun in that match. It, I mean, there wasn't anything that I'm like, God, this thing stunk. I mean, the closest thing was the arm wrestling thing. Well, we could yeah. talk about the Mexican death match with uh, Manny and Abdullah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that thing rules. Yeah, I mean, no, I I enjoyed it, but I'm very weird, so (laughs) Uh, I had a lot of people ask me, you know, like, what did you think about that match? I'm like, why is this the match what people want to know about? (laughs) Yeah, I think think some of those, some of those crock and roll jokers, I think those guys (laughs) are not, are not a fan of this match. I think Sean said that he actually liked it way more than he should, which, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, Abdullah gets in a fight on the fucking way to the ring, so. Yeah, and he's he's bleeding. (laughs) Bleeding already. That's sick. (laughs) So, I mean, automatically, I'm like, okay, I'm paying attention, and then anything on a pole match, I'm going to watch, like, just legit, um, uh, and honestly, I just thought it was really fun. The blood was insane, um, and uh, Jones on the outside just losing it basically the whole match <laughs> was really good. Like I enjoyed him a lot. Um, and Man- uh, Manny Fernandez ends up with no boots on at all. Yeah, that was great. What about uh, that suplex? That suplex was on that huge. Was awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> that was insane. I'm like, how Brad with bananas on that thing. And then he gets spiked in the dick with uh, whatever that weapon he had. I mean, uh, the fork. The fork. He was brutal with that fucking thing. Like, he wasn't fucking around. He was just stabbing folks with that thing. First time I ever saw Abdullah, I mean, as a kid, I was terrified. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Uh, Pete, were you watching around this time? I was watching. I was. I didn't really get uh, – I started getting it like, yeah, it was probably around this time, I want to say. I was I, would, I was getting – locally, I was getting Houston wrestling, so I was watching more Mid-South. But I was getting this also. But I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't watching religiously like I was watching uh, Mid-South because I could go live to the, uh, the, the Sam Houston Coliseum. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. But I watched all a bunch – I mean, I've watched all this. I mean – Right, uh, yeah. I'm a sicko, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, yeah, no, the perfect way to start the show too. Well, I mm-hmm. guess uh, it's a second match, but it, you know, it's it's effectively an opening match. And yeah, um, and, it, and it's and it's a gimmick match mm-hmm. where you know Abdul ain't gonna be pinned because he doesn't he doesn't do many pin jobs, doesn't get pinned many <laughs> often. often. But hey, this is a way to beat him without pinning without him, the pin, right? Yeah, because yeah. there, there's not that many, you know. I mean, yeah, that made a Mexican got sombrero on a freaking uh, hole. I mean, calling it a Mexican death match. Because you think a death match, you're thinking 10 counts and all this yeah. stuff. But no, this is a sombrero on a pole match is essentially what it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, they just totally uh, misnamed it completely. Yeah. But you did get to watch him climb uh, yeah. for the hat, so that's real fun. And Manny that's Fernandez cool. is a great wrestler. Who, yeah, uh, he was really He's good. awesome. Doesn't yeah. get enough love. Uh, and, yeah, he was awesome. Agreed. He had a good eighty five too. That's that's another there's a lot of good T V matches in eighty five too. 
There's like yeah. like Manny Fernandez is good. You got a lot of Tully Blanchard stuff that's really good. Arn, so like the debut of Arn, all that stuff. Yeah. A lot of good, a lot of good TV matches. Um, and if you listen to Manny Fernandez, this is the match that sold out the Omni. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> and everyone left after this. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, what else worked in the show, Pete? Give me a couple things that you liked. I uh, I well, I like the psychology of the Flair Dusty match. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that Dusty's going after uh, Flair's um, a leg, uh, which is mm. makes sense because it's like you fucked up my leg uh, in, in in the Omni, uh, and now I'm going to try to fuck up your leg. So it's just, it's just a basic uh, guttural uh, psychology of trying to you know you injured me, uh, injured my leg, I'm going to try to injure you. Kind of like if you caught your significant other sleeping around, then you'd want to sleep with someone, you know, get revenge type thing. So it's just kind of <laughs> a natural uh, comparison, Pete. You know, naturally, of course. Um, uh, so it's just a, a guttural type of thing. You know, if you if someone hurts you in one way, you usually want to hurt. I mean, just a natural instinct. Mm-hmm. I mean, not I even mean, might not be might not be on purpose what you're doing, but subconsciously you kind of sometimes want to make them feel as bad as you feel uh, that someone did to you type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that worked for me. What about you, Drew? Yeah, so I did want to talk about the main event. Um, I think this is – I think this is the my favorite. I, I think watching the main event – I think I enjoyed the main event the most this watch than I have on any other of uh times I've seen it. And How I, do you think I that like, is? Um, I think I'm I'm just in a like uh maybe it's just the mood I was in. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Possible. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. happens to me all the time. I'm just Yeah, curious. me too. Yeah. Like uh, I I like all the the uh flare race or sorry the flare dusty matches. I like them fine. It does get a little tiring. Like the, like you said, th- these aren't like Flair versus Steamboat or Flair versus mm. Ricky Morton or something like mm. that. Yeah, um, th- they're different. Uh, I think previously, probably the maybe the title change, the '86 Bash title change match was my favorite. Yeah, that that is my favorite. I have that one, and I have uh, there's one from uh, from St. Louis I really like. Um, okay. Uh, from '82, where Dusty's a little lighter, and I really enjoy that one. But yeah, oh, okay, yeah, I, I haven't seen that one. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I really enjoyed it this time. I, I thought, I, I wish there would have been. I, sp- I think like from the spot where I think where Flair finally really takes over, which is I don't know, maybe 15 minutes in or something. Um. I really like everything uh, uh everything after that. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I I'm not sure why I don't think the matches are better. Like um I don't know. They they're cool. They're they're good matches and like I said I was really feeling the show this time around mm-hmm. and I was in a good mood um and maybe I picked up on the narrative a little bit more of uh, of it being like j- just a battle of who's going to injure whose leg the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wish 
what 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 would have made it better is if it was maybe like a little bit more formulaic and you had like Dusty going after Flair's leg and hurting it a little bit, but then Flair really, really takes over on Dusty and just beats up the leg for like 10 minutes or something like that. And then you get a big Dusty comeback. That's that's what I w- think would have been really awesome. Yeah, we, I mean, of course, I'll, we, get, I'll... we also get the Dusty finish here. Uh, right. Of course. You know this, Denny. Uh, they reversed the decision. Uh, they make it seem like Dusty won the title. They reversed it the next week on television. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna fuck with that. That wasn't <laughs> on this show, so um but yeah, I mean I would agree with like it's not I mean like it's really good and all the story is really good and you do feel the emotion from them, especially I think Dusty, but maybe Flair's holding back a little bit. He he's not as flary as I would like, if that makes sense. And there's a big difference here is that Dusty doesn't bleed. Right. Flair bleeds. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, so, so you have, it's harder to get more sympathy when the heel's bleeding and the baby face is clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was it was kind of a um, an innocuous blade job by Flair. Like it didn't it didn't it was just kind of uh, there out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just that one time they went to the floor and. He hits his head on the railing, you know, or D- Dusty puts his head on the rail, but it didn't really go anywhere after that. So, I don't know. I, I really liked the very beginning of the match and the very end of the match. Just kind of the meat that left a little something to be desired. But I, that's also kind of victim of uh, expectation, mm-hmm. I think, because a lot of people think this match is awesome. And, like, I mean, the crowd is going nuts live. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real know. diverse match where a lot of people are either they're either in like I really like this match or some people just flat out hate it. It might be because of the dusty finish too. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But I liked I liked the Andersons coming in because mm-hmm. that kind of that kind of plays off of the angle yep. itself. You know, there's there's a lot of good stuff in the match. Also, I like Dusty's post match promo because we don't get any promos from Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> On this yeah. show, which to me was one of the things that did not work, was like, I love a post-match promo, but I like what they did the year before when they were in the locker room with Flair and Dusty and everybody, and all the time checking back in the locker room, and they would just cut these amazing promos. We didn't get any of that. In this show. Yeah, you're right. When we have great promo <laughs> people like Flair and Dusty and who do we get? We get uh, Khrushchev, crying out Khrushchev. loud. Khrushchev. Uh, <laughs> Khrushchev. We, we get Magnum. all right. But, you know, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just nice. Why do you have him coming out and cutting a promo yeah. about a stupid mid-Atlantic title win? Who cares, you know? <laughs> yeah, that that's a big difference from the previous two years. I didn't even think about that, Jen. Um, it, it was the the thing that stuck out, stuck out to me the most. It looked like Tony got... Um, quite the upgrade because he is on commentary as opposed to just being interviewing in the locker rooms. But I would much rather have him back there doing that stuff than sitting on commentary, which I thought was kind of weird for this show because they laid out a lot. And I don't know if that's just the style of the time, but there was lots of time in there where nobody said anything. And that's fine. And I thought what they said was good, but it just felt like, they they were leaving a lot of commentary on the table, and then sometimes I got the feeling that it was audio issues, and then that was the reason why. 
they were laying out. I don't know. Did you guys pick up on any of that? I, I, I buy the audio issue. Uh, right. Funny, but I thought the I thought the commentary was an up, up, upgrade from uh, 83 and 84. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. I I wish I wish David Crockett had been in there. Though. <laughs> I wish we had the to, the Tony and David combo. Okay, I see. I like Cottle, but yeah, I can totally uh, you know. Yeah. Which is funny. When I was growing up, I hated Crockett. Now I love him. Uh, yeah. But when I grew up, I'm like, God, what a whiny shithead. You know? <laughs> but now you just love having him on it because it's so. It's so different compared to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I think he re- really would have added a lot to the main event. Mm. That I think he would have made a ton. I think he made a uh, the I Quit match. I think it would have been insane having Crockett. Oh. <laughs> He's gonna stop him. He's gonna stop him. <laughs> Look at him. Look at oh, yeah. him, Tony. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> <laughs> now I need that shit. Ah, um, oh, David. Yeah. But um, is there anything else that you guys feel like didn't work? For oh, Johnny Weaver. Oh, God. He was Johnny so Weaver. <laughs> Good call. terrible. You know, I know he's a local le- he's a legend in, in the Carolinas, <laughs> but by gosh, he was terrible inter- as the interview guy. He looked uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He kept on looking. Oh, it was. He looks like a guy. Oh, yeah, you know, he was te- uh, terrible. No, he did nothing for me on this and thing. Is he an old wrestler? Because yes. he looked like he had blades. He is. He, oh, yeah. His forehead was all fucking cut up. I was he, like, he is, he is definitely. Yeah, a he was. Uh, there used to be a. They used to be a tag team promotion in, uh, in the Crockett's in the, in the Carolinas, and he was the uh, the top uh, guy in the tag team. What about he was you, the Drew? Number one draw for years. You know something I don't think really worked well was uh, the team of Wahoo and Billy Jack Haynes. Yes, I was hoping you would talk about some Billy Jack Haynes. Yeah, I, well, poor old Billy Jack. Um, you don't know Billy Jack. Yeah, hey. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that was. It was like there. There wasn't. It was just kind of a, a thrown together team, mm-hmm. um, and it. I, I think the match was pretty good, you know. It was but, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but but I think there just wasn't a lot of juice behind it or anything. Mm-hmm. Wahoo's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Billy Jack, not I quite. I love Wahoo. Yeah, Jenny, Wahoo's we don't need to hear your negativity on Wahoo. <laughs> I didn't say anything. You, yeah, you did. <laughs> your silence was deafening. I didn't say anything. Well, Oli and Arn were in this match, so. There you go. And they're awesome. That's all you need. But Billy yeah, Jack, but I, you know, he doesn't feel like a Crockett wrestler at all. No, and he looks so freaking, uh, he's, he's like, Jack compared to the rest holy of the shit. Yeah. Like, this guy up against fucking Oli? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love me some Oli, but God don't have a body. No. Yeah. But Billy Jack, I don't know how long of a run. I don't think he had much of a run there. Maybe. No, it's just a cut. Oh, it was less because he he had just come into the promotion and he's gone. Uh, yeah, but I think like by early '86 he's out of there. Okay, yeah, I know it wasn't. I know there's only a handful of matches I've ever seen him in Crockett, so I yeah. know uh, it wasn't much. Yeah, so you know, I guess they put two walking tall baby faces together, and you know, I like I like Wahoo, and so. Uh, yeah, I thought the match was solid, but yeah, it, it, it was just an odd, there's a pairing of just, it was just weird. Maybe 
with the Billy Jack with the hat and the Indian, maybe that's what they were going for. Uh, yeah. Thing, but I, yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm with you. I can, I can see that that point. Uh, the other thing, sort of production-y wise, that I enjoyed in previous arcades was the overhead camera, um, which we did not get any overhead camera of, which is disappointing considering all the blood that all we the blood. Through. Yeah. Um, because the That's blood, point. to me, is definite positive on the show. And then I can't imagine, like, because we get to see the mat basically covered in blood. I just feel like I really wanted that overhead shot of just, like, pulls the blood all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been cool for the main event with, yes. the, you know, big old Dusty and Flair with the overhead cam with all the blood. That would have been cool. You're yeah. right. That, I yeah. Mean, yeah, yeah, seeing all the all – the, all the staph infections you can get from all the blood <laughs> out there. You can see the bacteria crawling around. Yeah, Everyone is like, getting you, know, you don't need no microscope here. So. That's wrestling, y'all. Mm. All right. So, um, who was your MVP, Drew? Oh, uh, uh, Magnum TA. Magnum. Yeah, that was me as well. Yeah, I don't know. I can flip a coin between Magnum and Tully. I'm going to go Magnum because he also cut that pretty bitchin' promo. Yes. Uh, where, mm-hmm. And not only that, but he took, I mean, obviously, he, probably because his freaking voice is exhausted from screaming no, but you could tell his voice is gravelly <laughs> afterwards, too. So, I mean, it gave it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more uh, presence, you know? Yeah, he was super intense after that. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he, I'm, I mean, he just laid it down. Anybody who wants to come and try to take this from me, uh, you can die. And I believed him, like, every word. It was really good. He's a fighting champion. Always. Uh, who's the LVP of the night then, Pete? Superstar Billy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> See, I flipped the coin and went barbarian. <laughs> what about? Uh, I think I think I've I think I've got to honor True. where the where the big boys play and uh, and say Billy Graham as well oh, for the Billy Graham okay. Award. That's right, good good homage there. Right. <laughs> uh, hey, I did want to talk real quick. We haven't talked uh, about Drew. the. Uh oh, mm-hmm. are you guys there? Sorry. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Um, I wanted to talk real quick about the tag title match. Yeah. The cage match, the Russians and the rock and rolls. Oh yeah, um, that that's a great match. Uh, I I mentioned earlier that I I think the their the title change, uh, the first title change back in July, which is the like when the the rock and rolls debuted. I, that's I think that's the the best tag match ever in United States wrestling history. I I, I think it's so incredible, but um. I, I have it up there. I don't know if I have it as the number one, but it's it, it's in my top five. Yeah, man, I love I love that one. Um, what what do you think? What do you think are uh, what do you think of the are the contenders besides that, uh, Pete? I would go Midnight Express, Fantastics Ooh. on uh, the U.S. tag uh, one on that worldwide that went like forty five minutes. Is that the the May one? It's not, it's not the debut match, right? No, it's, it's not the, the debut. It's not the clash, but it's yeah, it's the one before the Great American Bash. Yeah, yeah. 
That would I have that one up there. I would. Uh, those are the two that really stand out to me as the ones I would put on on North American soil. Um, because I don't really think anything else is really, really quite there. Um, there was some handheld Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express. I mean, but I, I just, but they're handheld. I'm not going to count them. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Midnight Express, Fantastics. What about the uh, the Clash 17 tag? Where do you have that? Which one is that? The Fantastics. No, no. So, uh, Clash Seventeen, uh, Steam, the Steamboat oh, Return, oh, Steamboat and Dustin too. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great one. Um, that's up there. Yeah, I'm trying to think what I'd have in those. I know those three would be up in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are the ones I'd really contend with. I mean, I'm sure if I had my, I didn't write a list, so it's just right. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I was just curious, just kind of off the top of your head. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I always want to rock and roll express match, but we also have that the rock and rolls and the Russians. I thought was incredible. Heck, I even think Stark '86 is a great uh, one with the rock and roll express versus the Anderson. Versus that, yeah, that one's great too. Jenny, um, uh, what are have you have you seen the the match that we're talking about? It's the the first rock and roll express versus the Russians match. Uh, yeah, that check check that match out. I, I'd like to see what you. I bet you would really like it. Um, I I have no doubt. Can you can you think of like what a um, what's like a a really great U.S. Uh, tag match or North American tag match oh, off from, the top of your head? God, no, not off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. No, but what I mean, what do you like about this match? Well, so okay, so the sorry, <laughs> we'll get back to this match. Uh, I like that this was because this is what pretty short, twelve minutes or something, yeah. um, and it was just really intense and heated. And I like that it was really different from that original match. And so the the Russians had they had won the titles back a couple months earlier, and then you know they did the title switch again, so the Rock and Rolls won. Um, but uh, I, Ivan Koloff is like. He's he's one of, I love Ivan Koloff. He's so great. He's and, like the best ever at like the heel and peril. <laughs> oh, dude, totally. Right? Yeah. He just shines up the baby faces like none other. I mean, he's so good at it. And he's a guy who's never really got enough love. Uh I mean, I've I I vote for the Observer Hall of Fame and I was I when I first got my ballot, I'm like I'm voting Ivan, I'm voting Ivan. Thank God he went in. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad he finally got in because he so deserved it. But but I'm sorry to try and grasp. But yeah, he's in, in ring. I mean, I mean his accomplishments are amazing because he drew money everywhere he went. But yeah, but yeah, in ring guy, he's also such a freaking nature because he he bulk up and be able to work a program with Bruno San Martino, but then drop weight to work in the Crockett promotion. Where it's a lot, a lot more go 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 than it was up up north. I, I I can't tell you how impressed I am with that guy. Yeah, it's incredible, and and he's getting beat up by Ricky Morton. You yeah, know? and it and it looks believable. Yep, he he's awesome and to, total like ring general where you see him like moving. It's like a chess game almost. Like he's moving all the pieces around. It's yeah, it's so he's good. Yeah, he's also the unknown, uh, not the unknown, but the guy doesn't get enough credit. 
for helping lay out those Magnum or calling the Magnum PA Nikita matches from ringside. Indeed, was a, uh, yes. Ah, man, Ivan, so good. But uh, Ricky, uh, sorry, Robert Gibson in this match. I mean, I, I'm I'm a huge Robert Gibson fan too, um, and I, I thought he was awesome in this match, getting thrown into the cage and everything. So I, I just I realized we hadn't even talked about that this match yet. Um, but I just wanted to get that one in real quick. Yeah, you know, people uh, always think about Ricky Morton as the guy who plays facing peril, but here Gibson plays it. And and where where people don't realize is Ricky Morton did play it a lot, but when when they were getting Morton ready for a flare run, uh, Gibson was the one playing face in peril because they're trying to make Morton look stronger uh, by getting the hot tags as opposed to just uh, being the face in peril. Uh, so is that you know I never I never thought about that before. So is that the case? Because I mean that's, well, that's how I view it. I mean I know yeah. one's never told me that, but I'm pretty darn sure because. It seemed like everywhere else, Ricky Morton placed in peril uh, during the Crockett's from like 85 to 87. Gibson was pretty much being the face in peril unless they were doing a big double one. Yeah, because that, that's like if you – that's always the narrative, right? It's all Ricky Morton. He's the face yeah. in peril. But, but I mean, their biggest run is in Crockett, and yes. so many of those matches, it's Robert Gibson. I mean, Robert Gibson has the big face in peril in, in the July match with the Russians. Um, yeah. And – like there's there's one match it's a t- it's um the title change rock and rolls versus raging and ravishing at the yep. end of uh 86 and that's got a a big 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 Ricky Morton face in peril but yeah. other other than that it's like all the midnight express feud the russians feud it's a lot of robert gibson so i was kind of interested in like why that was or why why exactly the narrative was that it was that it was always Ricky Morton because that that's that's not true you know a lot of the time but no, that's but like that's in Smoking Mountain Run it was Morton uh, doing the face in peril and yeah in Mid South a lot of it was Morton um, but you know, or a lot of times they do a double heat where you get both of them doing the face in peril but yeah I think a lot of it was doing the fact that they're grooming Morton and getting uh, having to draw money on these Great American Bash tours in like eighty six and eighty seven uh, the face flare. Oh, that's really interesting. That's yeah, that's cool. That's really interesting. Um, Jenny, I, I think I cut you off there. Sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. I'm just listening to y'all nerding out. So that's, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. No, well, what, what I, I like that match. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, I love Nikita being like as tall as the cage. <laughs> like he didn't even he doesn't even have to use the cage. He's like I am the cage. Um, but. Um, the uh, rock and roll really used it well, like jumping off of it and using it as a base to to just fly a lot of times. Uh, I really like their use of the cage. It wasn't just let's slam the dude's face in it. Um, they really I felt, felt like they um, tried to kind of make it seem bigger than it kind of was. Yeah, and how about how about them using like they were trying to put Gibson or might have been Morton into the cage and. And, and, and instead of just blocking it, they used the foot to block yeah. it, you know, yeah. just little things like that, just smooth, you know. Very. And then the finish was, like, very um, smooth as well, and then yeah, kind of out of nowhere. Finish. Yeah, click kind of quite, and uh, wasn't expecting that, so that was that was really fun. And then post-match, uh, beating the shit out of him with the chain, 
was yeah. brutal. And yeah, putting more heat on it, you know. Yeah. And we came, yeah. we're coming back, you know, we're just going back on the road. No, I that was awesome. You know, it was really good. Um where where are you guys at on favorite moment of the show, Drew? Oh, I mean I, I think I've gotta I've gotta go with Magnum throwing down the spike, um, Tully on the ground, and the Magnum throwing the the belt over his shoulder, taking one last mm-hmm. look at at Tully before he he goes out. Um, I, I I think that's just all time stuff. I really debated whether I was going to say Tully's no or Tully's yes yes yeah. Because it's like they're both equally really good. Like uh, he, he, I love him saying yes instead of I quit, but also just the good oral way that he screams no, like he's not giving up. So I mean, it's hard, Pete. What do you think? I mean, both of y'all's picks are great, uh, and I could go with either one. But I'm going to go with the point where I, I love the fact Tully grabbing that chair and just breaking it. Oh, that was I mean, awesome. it was like straight out of a prison fight or a bar yeah. fight or something. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it was just guttural. It was unexpected. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen someone break a chair to use it to get a jagged edge the weapon ever. Never. Um, <laughs> which is shocking that people have never used, redone that spot. Um, I, I, I mean, that's just insane and it's insanely awesome. And, and really it just upped the ante and made the violence that much more sicker. Agree. All uh, right. You know, real, real quick, another another awesome moment. Um, Dusty's entrance, I thought was great. Yes, he looked really good. I love yeah. his jacket. Yes, jacket was hot. You know, that's one thing that we you know people talk about. Like they've been people they're really putting over like the uh, Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson mm-hmm. or uh, Daniel Bryan match on AEW, and it was a great match. Don't I'm not, but they're all saying, "Oh, look how they just stood there and soaked in the cheers." You know, that's one thing you don't see much anymore is, okay, that's great, but look how what Dusty did. He did a strut or, mm-hmm. you know, did a little hair flip, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That's even cooler. It is. <laughs> you know, yeah. You do something and get the period. Not just, they're, they're cheering because you're doing something cool and not just standing there. And I think that's even better than just soaking it in. I don't think you need to, to lock up or anything, but you can do some fun before the match starts stuff, and people just don't do that often anymore. I mean – a lot of times it's been so trained to like you mm. do they do the Rock Cena um, WrestleMania where you look at the crowd or the Hogan Rock and you look at the crowd from both sides. It's like that's just dumb. I mean, do something interesting. Uh, I look it's just so I know it's just so choreographed, and I like this mm. where it's a little bit more off the cuff, having fun and getting a reaction. Also, that's just the charm of Dusty. <laughs> You know? Oh yeah, but it's like he senses okay, like the crowd's going nuts. Okay, what can I do to get them even hotter? Right. Yeah, he's just gonna d- d- and all it takes is him strutting a couple steps and everyone loses it. And yeah. that doesn't that doesn't play into like there's no cooperation with Flair that plays mm-hmm. into the match itself. It's mm-hmm. it's that's like real wrestling psychology, you yeah. know. I can get, I mean, I can amp this crowd up even more, and that's what he did. And you know, mm-hmm. he, he didn't have to do a whatever. He didn't have to do a a freaking hurricane rana or go through a table to get this huge reaction. He did a really cool strut, and that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Drew. What's next uh, going forward uh, from Starcade '85? So go, going forward, I mean, I think uh, I think the next show. 
uh, that we'll, there will be a podcast on will be uh, probably what I, I guess one of the Great American Bash shows. Uh, I mean, going forward, '86 I think is the biggest year Crockett ever had. Uh, the promotion is red hot. You get uh, Rock and Roll Express versus Midnight Express. You get Flair versus Wyndham. Well, that that's that's um, that's more of like Florida. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the eighty six matches in Florida. So um, you get Flair versus Garvin. You get Garvin versus uh, Tully. You get Magnum versus Nikita. Uh, Dusty, you get some Dusty versus Flair stuff. You get Dusty. Uh, he he feuds with uh, with uh, Tully again. It's, I mean, the, like I said, this is you the get hottest the Andersons year. and the Rock and Roll Express. Um, yeah, I mean, you you get the formation, the formal uh, coming together, and the formal naming of the Four Horsemen. Yep, you get the superpowers forming. Yep. Hell yeah. We get Our, a Mac car accident. Oh shit! Yeah, well, that's we, not as good. No. And you get <laughs> you get you get another full year of Jimmy Valiant versus Paul Jones. <laughs> Thank you God. Get, you, get, you get Pez Watley turning heel too. And that works. <laughs> yeah. You get the Crockett Cup coming up. Oh shit! First Crockett Cup. Yeah. You're right. Remember, Jenny? That was I the first do. Jenny and the Gems. I do remember. I listened to that one, guys. It was oh. a good one. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I listened. You guys did one on it, too. I listened to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. Okay, that's right. And you and Kelly and uh, Johnny Sorrow. Yeah. That's right, we did. Yeah, I know. Jenny and the Gems. We need our Gems back. I know. Sucks. You know, one thing I've always wondered, though, with Magnum, if he didn't get hurt, would they have gone all the way with him? Yeah. Because it's not, you know, it's not Crockett booking, and Dusty had the book, so I I just can't imagine Dusty putting Magnum over him as the number one face. I can't mm-hmm. imagine that the formula always was, if even if Dusty did win the title, it was for a short term, because... The formula was always the heels until Hogan finally got there in 94. I mean, and then when they tried to make a baby face, they end up, they had a hot baby face like Luger. They screwed that up. Uh, they screwed it up with Sting. So I, I, I don't, I just don't feel comfortable. I feel as comfortable of the, how Crockett books baby faces for the, uh, like, as in being the number one guy in the promotion, like, as as I think how bad WWE is at booking baby faces for the last eight years. Um, <laughs> so I just don't know if it would work. I just don't know. Um, hmm. Strong well, work. What, what wasn't the idea to all, it was going to be him and Flair at Starcade '87, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, no '86. It was supposed to okay because I thought it was. I've heard it's both. Like, that's what they say. I've heard. I've heard two names. I've heard Garvin was supposed to be at '86, and I've heard. T.A. getting the shot, and but clearly made more sense it was going to be T.A. because they slided Nikita into that role. Well, okay, because this is this is what I, I forget where I heard this. Maybe it's just someone kind of uh, just uh, talking, but I heard that it was it was supposed to be okay. Eight, it was Garvin versus Flair at '86 because that had been the big the that was the big feud throughout '86, yeah. and then spend '87 essentially having. Uh, Magnum in like the the Barry Windham role, 
and and leading up to 87 which would have been Flair versus uh versus Magnum and Magnum beating Flair. How what do you think of that? Do, do, how do you think that sounds? I I mean it, it works for me on paper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think it it, it it I just don't think it it passes the smell test. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah, I can't no. imagine them booking two years out. Um, um, so, uh, Ron, that's another good point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I well, I mean, we'll we'll never know, right? Yeah, we'll never but, know. You know, I'm not even a fancy booker, but yeah, but I just, yeah. I just no, the way they've always done their baby faces, I just can't imagine it because it's always been a heel promotion. I mean, yeah, because I was it was such a dichotomy compared to watching WWF growing up because WWF was a babyface promotion. And that's why it appealed to kids, while Crockett was more of a meat and potatoes, blood and guts promotion with heels. And it was like, it was so weird having seen WWF, and then you have heels uh, having the titles. It was so, because even in Mid-South growing up, uh, I mean, you had the dog and, you know, these big guys on top. It was it was weird to see uh, having heels uh, run it like Flair and the Horsemen. It was so it was such a different type of wrestling for me. It was all about the chase, right? I mean, and, yeah. and that's something where I mean, you, I guess, I guess the uh, the curveball is Dusty will being willing to make someone else a top babyface, but yeah. I could definitely see uh, Magnum in in the the chase role for sure. As I mean, that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, but if he if he would actually. Pull the trigger. Uh, pull and the trigger. Push, and push yeah. him and actually have a program lined up for him as a babyface uh, yeah. champion. Yeah, that's a whole other animal. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I think that we've said pretty much everything that everyone has ever said about Starkey 85 because I don't think anybody's ever reviewed this show before. Um, so <laughs> this will be the only sure. thing. Sure. i to slap you for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespectful. Uh, 1985. <laughs> uh, Pete, is there anything that you would like to promote before we get out? No, I'm pretty much retired, but I am yeah. going to a uh, Thanksgiving Day show, or Thanksgiving Day show two days after Thanksgiving, headlined by uh, L.A. Park versus uh, Dr. Wagner Jr., so I'm super excited about that. That's <laughs> fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. There's a lot of good... Uh, Miss Jonathan Gresham's working it, working the show. Arez is working the show uh, because L.A. Park's on it. So is his kids. Um, who else is on there? Uh, uh, those are the ones. Oh, there's uh, yeah, what's his name? He's uh, he's he's wrestling as Tiger Ruhas now. Uh, he was in was in developmental for a while. Can't remember the guy's name. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking really looking forward to it. All right, sounds fun. What about you, Drew? I don't really have any podcast stuff coming up. Um, let's see. I, if you want to, I haven't really tweeted in a long time, but, um, you know, keep, keep an eye out on my Twitter at underscore burning spirits for any, uh, Burger King updates. Yes. Um, but I do want to plug a music thing real fast. Um, I play in a band. It's called, uh, Solemn Lament. Uh, we've got a, a tape coming out. Some friends of ours, a uh, record label called Sword Worship Records, is putting a cassette tape out for us. Uh, you can buy that at swordworship.com. I'm sorry, um, did you say cassette tape? Yes. Um, okay. 
hey, they're a hot item. What can I say? Are they? Yeah. Okay. Um, and we're on Bandcamp. It's solemn, <laughs> uh, solemn Lament Music at Bandcamp.com. And then later on, probably next year, um, there's a record label out of Finland, Svart Records, S-V-A-R-T Records, uh, putting out a uh, vinyl version and a CD version and then cool. a full length after that. So check it out. Um, it's uh, doom metal, real pure doom metal. So check that out. That's awesome. I don't think anybody's ever plugged their band on any of my shows before. All right. So that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> as for me, I have tons of podcasts. Um, the wrestling ones you can find right here on North South Connection. They include TNA Never Dies, Going Through TNA, and also the Extreme Three Way Dance. Going through uh, ECW from the beginning, and we are like 50 episodes into that, so uh, that's a really great show. So listen to that. Um, I have some other wrestling content on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed. Uh, they are talking WCW. Our latest episode uh, featured Chris Jericho. We talked about three of his matches from WCW and talked about him in general as a wrestler and. Um, PTB NXT is uh, my chronological show going through NXT from 2014, and we are up to one of the uh, big cards, the, what are they calling it? Our Evolution. It's so weird. Anyway, one of the early TakeOver type super cards, but anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's also very cool. Also, I have my own podcast feed. It's called The Jenny Position. And um, mostly do like cool live watches. Uh, Freak Out Drive-In is horror. Um, you heard about Pluto. Watches stuff on Pluto TV. And um, Bianca's first time is my movie watch uh, with my friend Bianca, who watches beloved movies for the first time. And our latest one was V for Vendetta for the 5th of November. So all of that you can find linked on Twitter at Jenny Position. And on my Facebook page. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, next up, uh, some more WCW goodness. So, thanks so much. <laughs>